Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now, today's message. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed as you listen to the words of an old familiar hymn if you grew up in some of the conservative, uh, especially southern Alabama. It is well with my soul. Just close your eyes and listen. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control. That Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. As I was thinking about a message of hope, since we decided to start off with Advent and the message of hope this year, I struggled greatly, not because of lack of a material, but because the overabundance of material. Um, I had a hard time narrowing it down. My chaplain friends know this because they helped me kind of focus in a little bit. And then the Holy Spirit kind of finished it off. He's good like that. Um, those words, some of you may be familiar with the story. Some of you may not be. But if you're familiar with the story of Horatio Spafford, there's very few stories outside of Scripture that better illustrate hope. Biblical hope. Eternal hope. True hope. As opposed to worldly hope. We'll get to that in a little bit. But very few stories illustrate that better than Horatio Spafford in the words with that song. See, what some of us may or may not know is those words, it is well with my soul, which by the way, this hymn goes on and talks about my sin, not in part, but the whole. And I think that matters too. Horatio Spafford was a businessman in Chicago area and he had a, in the 1800s, and he had a hard go at life. The great Chicago fire took not only his business, but his toddler age son and claimed his life. And obviously, you can imagine the amount of grief that places on him and his family. And so in order to kind of get away from it all, they decided to take a little vacation. And in deciding to take that little vacation, maybe just kind of refocus, reset, he gets held up by business, as you can imagine. His businesses were damaged by that fire. And so he tells his family, he says, y'all go ahead. His wife, and I believe it was three daughters, go ahead and they're having to take a journey to their vacation via a ship. And Horatio says, you know what, I'll catch up with you in a few days. <clears throat> the ship ended up sinking and claimed the life 
of all of his daughters that were on that ship. His wife gets to the other side and they are separated because it's not the 21st century. And she sends a telegram, survived and alone. So for a little while, Horatio knew that the ship had sank, but did not know how his family was doing, did not know if they had survived. He had heard rumors of survivors, but didn't know if they were his loved ones or not. And he receives a text, or 18th century text, from his wife that says, survived and alone, telling him all of our children are gone. So he does what any good husband would do. He immediately jumps on the next boat, whatever business may comes, and it's halted at that point. And he goes to see his wife. And as they're passing over the very spot to where the ship sank, the captain of the ship comes up to him and says, it was at this point where the boat sank, just so you know. So he is at the final resting place of three of his children, his daughters, and it is there he pens those words. That is hope. Let me say those words again. When peace like a river attendeth my soul, and sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Brothers and sisters, there are very few stories out there that better illustrate the difference between worldly hope and eternal hope. He can stand over the place where his children have taken their final breath after already losing his son on his way to help his mourning, grieving wife grieve so that they may grieve together as husband and wife. He pins the words, I'm good. It is well with my soul. He talks about his sin not in part, but the whole in a later verse stanza. Why are you thinking about your sin? Because Horatio Spafford knew something that the world doesn't understand today, that the world just doesn't get, that with Christ there is hope. King David knew the same thing. David was praying and and grieving over his child who was sick and dying, and he's doing all the traditional things. He's rending his clothes, ashes over his faith, wailing. He's paying people to mourn as a king, and and everybody is mourning with him. But when his son passes away, He gets up and he kind of goes on about his business, if you would. Now, that's not to say he doesn't grieve anymore. That's not to say he's not hurt. That's not to say there's no more tears. But he goes on with the business of everyday life. And they thought that weird. And they asked him, they said, what are you doing? They said, now that he's done, that's like your grieving is done. It's over. But he's just recently passed. And David's words of wisdom go on and once again demonstrate true biblical hope as opposed to the worldly hope. David looks at him and says, look, my son cannot return to be with me, but I will one day return to be with him. My son cannot come back to me on this side of eternity, but through the coming Savior of Jesus the Christ, he knew that he would one day be able to see his son again. That is hope. That is the difference between temporal hope and eternal hope. That is what you and I and you and I alone have as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Worldly or temporal hope is connected to the temporal. Go figure. Eternal hope or biblical hope is connected to the eternal. It's that simple. Biblical hope is connected to the Creator who controls our circumstances as opposed to the temporal hope that is connected to our circumstances alone. 
I hope for this gift at Christmas. I hope for the Nintendo Switch. I hope for my husband to come to salvation in Christ. Oh, that's different. That's that eternal hope with expectation. Let's go back to the temporal hope. The temporal hope that we hit. The kids make their, their list to Santa. The parents make their list to Santa as well. We usually just don't call him Santa. We call him Jesus or God. God, and we pray for the, all the things we hope for. I hope for a promotion. I hope to get this next duty assignment. I hope that my commander will let us off on that Donza or the three-day. I hope that we will do this. I hope that I can get the new car. I hope for things that are temporal. That is not the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The hope that is eternal comes with expectation. One drives our emotions and the other drives our purpose and our future. Webster defines hope as a cherished desire with anticipation. Poor cat. Doesn't understand that the Bible defines it as a future confidence based on the promises or prophecies of the past that drive us to pursue Christ in the present. And at the foundation of biblical hope is the character of God, not the fulfillment of our temporal desires. Hebrews 6 verses 18 and 19 Tell us a little bit about that hope. It tells us this. If the iPad will work for me. It says, So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have fledged our refuge, might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. We have set this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Boy, that's hope. An anchor for the soul. Job, who understands what hope is. You know the story of Job, man. He had it rough too. Him and Horatio were peas in a pod. They had, they had pretty similar circumstances in different time frames. Job had lost a lot. He had lost all of his family as well. And his wife, he was had it so bad, his wife just encourages him, knowing the power of God, she looks at him and says, curse God and die. She knew that God would take him out. She knew the authority of God, but she was tired of seeing her husband suffer. So she said, curse God and die. And Job, the bravest man in Scripture, looked at her and says, you talk like a foolish woman. Brave man. Um, because he knew that even trials and suffering are from the Lord. And they can increase our hope. They drive us towards Him. He writes in Job 14, 7 and 9, or not he, but the, the writer of Job writes, and he talks about these roots of a tree. In Job chapter 14, 7 and 9, he says, For there is hope for a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease. Though its roots grow old in the earth, and its stump die in the soul, yet at the scent of water it will bud up and put out branches like a young plant. The roots of a tree produce new life, even though the tree has been cut down, because of the roots that were planted. Let me ask you a question, brothers and sisters in Christ. Where are your roots planted? What are you rooted in? Let me ask you this. What is your source of water? At the scent of water, it says that a shoot will grow up. Do you have that living water like the woman at the well needed? Because without it, there is no hope. But any message of hope 
has to rightfully start in Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. You see, in the beginning there was nothing and God put something into nothing. He created next to Hilo. He said, let there be, da-da-da-da-da, and there was. Because God's good like that. And then He created man out of His own image and He creatively created man. So notice He spoke everything else into existence, but He, he designs man. And He breathes into him and he becomes a living being. He breathes the breath of life and man becomes a living being. Later on, God puts him to sleep and he pulls a rib out of man and God created, whoa, man, because that's what Adam said when he saw her. He created woman out of a rib and they she becomes a living being. And that things are good in the garden for how long, we don't know. Presumably, from what I believe, I believe it was a long period of time. Things are good. And then temptation starts to set in. The devil tempts them, says, eat of the tree that, that God says not. Y'all know this story. It's just a rehash, I hope. If you don't know the story, come see us. I'll tell you all about it. It's my favorite, right? So the devil says, don't do what God said. And Eve says, ah, did he really say, you know? She starts to buy the lies of the devil. Surely he didn't mean that, you know, we would die if we ate of the tree. Adam buys into it. Adam and Eve both sin. And since then, sin entered the world, and we know that from Romans, the wages of sin is... Y'all know the Scripture. Look at that. But the gift of God is through Jesus Christ our Lord. So sin entered the world, bringing death into the world. And ever since then, from Genesis and the hopelessness that sin brings to the coming of Jesus Christ... We've been living in this hopeless world looking forward to the hope that is to come in Jesus Christ. Now our generation is not a whole lot different. We have the life of Jesus Christ. He has lived. He has died. He has sacrificed on Himself on the cross. He has risen again. And no, it's not figurative. It is literal. Risen again from the grave, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And He says, I go to prepare a place for you. I'll be back soon. What does soon look like? I don't know because you and I live in the temporal. He lives in the eternal. His hope is not based on our time expectations because He works outside of that. We are looking forward to the coming hope of Jesus Christ just like Job, just like King David, and just like another guy that I know named Daniel. When I got to thinking about this message and how, and how to focus on hope because there was so much material, I finally focused on the Magi, right? You know the story of Christmas, the three wise men. How many of you have a nativity scene that's already up in your house? All right, All right good deal. If you have the nativity scene and you have any of the wise men at the stable, you're wrong. Fix it. Get a compass out. Find where the east comes from and place the wise men away from the stable because they are traveling from the east. That's the rule in our house anyway. And you're like, what? We've been doing it wrong all these years. That's okay. You're not the only ones. So in our house, we don't put the wise men at the stable. We put the wise men over yonder, preferably towards the east because that's where Scripture says that they came from. They had a journey ahead of them, man. But as I think where they came from, that was Babylon and Persia. These magi came from Persia, which means that the ministry that Daniel started some 400 years ago was all part of God's plan in the coming of Christ. Do you know that Daniel is the only passage of Scripture that gives reference to the timing of the coming of Christ? 
All these prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Micah, tells that he would be born in Bethlehem, all these different things. But Daniel kind of gives us reference to the time. Now that's interesting considering all the things that Daniel had done in his story and how he became a magi himself, if you would, a wise man, a counsel to the king. Literally, the ministry that Daniel has started from generation to generation, carried from generation to generation, told them about the coming of Christ. Remember Daniel and his three Jewish friends who wouldn't eat the king's food because it was sacrificed for, to, to false idols? Remember, remember all the sufferings that he had, that Daniel had? They threw him in the lion's den? You remember all these challenges that Daniel had? Daniel taught that whole group of Persians and Babylonians something about who his God was. And it carried on for 400 years until the Magi listened to the words of Daniel. They put the math together. They do the math. You can do the math in Daniel chapter 9 if you're really that interested. But the times and the verses of Daniel 9 through 24 and 26 tell us this. Gabriel told Daniel that about, give or take, 483 years after the decree to rebuild Jerusalem, that the king would come. That decree came in March of 444 B.C. Pretty amazing time, and when you consider the completion of the temple and the prophecy fulfilled, the Magi did the math. And when the time had come, there's Magi going, he said a light would come. He said there'd be a star or something. I'm not sure what it looks like. But in Daniel chapter 9, they remember the words where they said what the sign would be. Can I tell you something? The own Jewish temple that lived just a few miles down the road, the Jewish leaders, the people that were experts of the Scripture, they had done the math. They didn't even know. The preachers and the chaplains were taken by surprise by the heathens thousands of miles away, over a thousand miles and over a four-month journey if they went straight there. They were dedicated to that. I need you to understand this. When I look at the story of Matthew chapter 2 and the Magi, look with me. That was a long introduction, I know. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judah, the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is to be born, king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judah, they read Micah too. For so it was written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among these rulers. For from you you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people of Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and he ascertained from them, because they were the wise men, right? Listen to them. What time the star had appeared. And then they started doing the math, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. For when you find him, bring me word, so that I too may worship him. They're wise men. They're not that ignorant. After listening to the king, they didn't buy his lies. So they went on their way, and behold, a star that they said had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They rejoiced with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, because they're wise men, they departed into their own country by another way. 
I need you to know this that I learned from the Magi. I learned that God the Father is the source of our hope. In verses 1 and 2, we hear about these guys. that Where is the king to be born, king of the Jews? For we saw the star when it rose and have come to worship him. The Magi were a little flabbergasted that everybody wasn't going crazy over here in Jerusalem. Thousands of miles, they've been traveling four months. They saw the star and they said, that's it, dude, let's roll. And they start going and they get there and they're expecting some other things and nobody else knows what's going on. And they're like, say what? Didn't you read the book? Can I ask you a question, brothers and sisters? Didn't you read the book? Haven't you read your scripture? If you're confused about the world that's going on around you, if you're confused about how to have a better marriage, if you know what I mean, if you're confused about what marriage looks like, love, marriage, and sex, God's way, there's a book about it. If you're worried about connecting with the community, there's a book about it. If you're worried about how to reach your son or your daughter, there's a book about it. How well do you know the book? How well do, are you relating to God the Father as the source of hope? If you need hope immediately, I strongly recommend the Scripture as your first read. For it is in Scripture that we find certainty that we need to act. And it is through the Scripture that God the Father speaks to us greatly. Romans 3.28 says, You are not good enough for heaven. Y'all know this verse, right? Romans 3.28, For we hold that one is justified by faith and apart from works. Or is it God, God of Jews only? Is He not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of God of the Gentiles also. You're not good. He is the God of all of us, and we all need Him. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 remind us that pride and ambition are not the way to get to the top of your profession. Do nothing from selfishness or ambition or empty conceit, but with humility of heart regard one another as more important than yourselves. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God the thing to be grasped. If you are hoping for the things of the temporal, like your promotion, like a raise, like your next duty assignment, if you are hoping for things that really don't matter, you're focusing on the wrong thing. The Magi proceeded with confidence. Their hope was a true biblical hope because they had read their scripture, they had done the math, they placed their hope in God, they proceeded forward in faith with hope that Jesus would come. I learned something else from this passage of scripture. I learned not only that God the Father is the source of hope, but I learned that God the Holy Spirit illuminates the path to that hope. This journey was a long and treacherous journey. They followed a star that appeared in the sky. They didn't have Netflix back then, so their nights were a little different than mine and yours. So they learned to map out the stars, and they're looking, and they're looking for a sign, not knowing exactly what they're looking for. And all of a sudden, they says, that's a big dipper, that's a little dipper. I don't know what, whatever they're looking at. I'm sure they got Persian names for them. But they're doing a little astrology, and they look up, and they say, wow, that's different. That is the brightest star in the sky, and it's not the North Star. Huh. I think that might be it, boys. They're looking for it. They're not just waiting. They're actively seeking. If you want hope, you must seek it through a relationship with God, and it will be illuminated through the Holy Spirit. Will you seek after God and allow your path to be illuminated by the Holy Spirit? They did not know exactly where they were going. They did not know exactly where they would end up. I don't know where I'm going after Fort Jackson or for a few months. And quite frankly, I don't care. 
Because although I don't know the commander that's going to be there, I don't know if I'll have the quality of chaplains that I've served with here that are going to be there. I'm pretty sure I won't have the friends that I've had here, but that's okay. Maybe there'll be one or two there. But I do know who is there waiting for me. And that is my Savior. That is the Holy Spirit. That is the same God that is here. Is the same God that is there. I will just follow the star wherever it goes. Even, Father help me, if it's Fort Polk, Louisiana. I'm kidding. Please don't do that. But my God will be there. And I will serve Him. And I will worship Him. And I will adore Him because I will follow that star. Seek and you will find when you seek with all your heart. But there's another thing about seeking in the Holy Spirit. Seek ye first. What was it? The Nintendo Switch. (laughs) Seek ye first. Major. Seek ye first. Becoming an NCO. And then all the power shall be added unto thee. (laughs) Seek ye first. A relationship and a marriage because I'm single and I'm tired of it? Seek ye first a submissive wife. 20 years of marriage. I'm not sure if Sonny's got that one yet, but we're working on it. She keeps me straight. I'm kidding. It's a joke. You can't make me sleep on the floor. My household goods have already shipped. I'm doing it anyway. What are you seeking after? Seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. Alleluia. Amen. They sought with all their heart. They followed the Holy Spirit without question, without hope. Don't allow the hope and joy this Christmas season to be stolen by taking the wrong path. The Holy Spirit has illuminated the right path to hope and joy. Follow it. Listen to the Holy Spirit, not the world. Search for Jesus, not the temple. Search for the eternal, not the temporal. Search for Christ, not the best Cyber Monday deal. Numbers chapter 24, verse 17 tells us about this star a little bit. It was a prophecy fulfilled. The journey the Magi took, as I already mentioned, was over a thousand miles. It took at minimum four months, most likely longer than that. How committed are you? Can you imagine that commitment that they took? The hunger crossing the desert. Look, man, it's not like jumping in your your car and driving across the island. It's not like fighting the morning traffic. This is a treacherous, dangerous journey, and they cared not because they knew at the end, they didn't, didn't, I hope it's under the tree. They knew that Jesus was at the end. They knew that Emmanuel, God with us, was there. That's the hope. What commitment from the Magi to seek the hope in Jesus despite all the challenges of that temporal journey. God, finally, God the Son, Jesus the Christ, He is the fulfillment of that hope. So we have the source of hope in God the Father. We have illuminating the path of hope through the Holy Spirit. And we can find that fulfillment of hope can only be found through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Himself said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And that's the definite article. It's not an infinitive, indefinite article. It's not a way, a truth, a life. It's the way, the truth, the life. As in, the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And no man comes to the Father, i.e., no man has hope in the eternal separate from Me. If you want to see your granddaddy again, if he confesses faith in Jesus Christ, if you want to see the other side of eternity, 
To be with God the Father, there is one way and one way alone. And it is through the same thing that Daniel hoped for, the coming of the Lord. It is that the same thing that Isaiah prophesied about, the coming of the Lord. It is on the same thing that the salvation of Adam and Eve depended on, the coming of Jesus Christ and the repentance of their sin. They saw the child after all that journey. They had sought and they had studied and they had looked for from generation to generation. Their daddy's daddy's daddy told them about this going to happen around this time. We're not sure. But it's been prophesied, so we know it's happening. So four generations from now, grandson, you better prepare your son. You better prepare your grandson. You better prepare your son. They went down the line and now that generation's like, here it is. This is us, boys. And they're looking for it. And they follow it without question and without hesitation because the end result is Jesus. And they saw him and they worshiped him because there's no other response to when you find Jesus. No other response but to worship him. They brought him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold symbolizing his royalty, a gift for a king. Frankincense symbolizing his deity as incense would be burned in worship and the aromas arising to God. Myrrh symbolizing that the, once again, the magi, the wise men who have read the scripture, symbolizing his humanity knew about the sacrifice that this Jesus, this baby child was going to make. It was an embalming ointment that he, knowing, symbolizing the fact that he came to die for the sins of the world. It's been prophesied. There are countless scriptures that talk about this blessed hope that we have through Jesus Christ. Several new passage scriptures waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Waiting for our blessed hope. And then he mentions our Savior Jesus Christ. This hope that we have in Jesus the Christ is not just any hope. It is a purifying hope. 1 John Chapter 3, verse 3, And anyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as he is pure. Can you imagine the moment when the Magi saw Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger? Hope fulfilled instantaneously. All of a sudden, my feet and my back from the journey, they don't hurt anymore, and I don't even need an Epsom salt bath to make it go away. My belly isn't hungry because I'm starving over the journey. My heart is only filled with joy and gladness because now I see hope and it's been fulfilled. Romans tells us that hope that is seen is not hope. You don't need to see it to have hope. You need to know it. You need to have it through Jesus Christ. The whole conclusion of this that I learned from the wise men is this. Wise men who study God's Word had a future hope based off God's past revelation and promises, which gave them confidence in their present day to pursue its future fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Will you place your hope in Him this Christmas? If not, when you look under the tree, you might be a little disappointed. If not, when the promotion board comes out, you might be a little disappointed. If not placed in Jesus, the diagnosis that you hope for your loved one or yourself with a terminal illness might lead to disappointment. Without Jesus, this idea of temporal, worldly hope will always lead to disappointment. But with Him and Him alone, when we place our faith in Him, and we know that hope is not found under a tree, or in any worldly expectations, 
but in a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you will never go thirsty again like the woman at the well. You will never go hungry. You will never have to worry about what's on the other side of eternity. There's a lot on the other side of eternity that I don't know is there. I don't know what it's like. But I know I don't have to worry about it because I know I'm going. and I know my kids are going because I'm teaching them that too, by the way. Train up a child in the way that they should go. I hold on to that promise a lot. Guys, is your hope in Jesus Christ? If not, you have no idea about the joy of Christmas. Place it in Him and Him alone. Holy God, my Father, I thank You for all You've done. I thank You for who You are. Father, once again, as this is my last opportunity to preach in this chapel, at least for this rotation, maybe You'll bring me back, I don't know. But Father, I thank You for the opportunity to preach the Gospel with this team. To preach the Spirit and the truth of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Our hope is in You, Lord. Let us never forget that. For those that are under the sound of my voice that have never placed their faith and confessed with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord, may debate be the day. Come see myself, Chaplain Brian, Tan. Father, come see one of the chaplains. I'll tell them about it. For Father, You're what gives me hope and joy every day. Father, and I want any peop- anybody that's never had that to experience it. Ask these things in no other name, but the name of my Savior Jesus the Christ, the fulfillment of hope past and hope to come. Amen.